And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris and Britt Giroli. It's Tuesday, October 19th. I felt like I needed to slam the brakes on the intro, on the video, just so everyone could see the faces you guys were making, kind of getting ready for the start of the stream. That was, that was impressive. I got to enjoy that from the behind the scenes. You guys were kind of doing the how now, brown cow, run burger thing, but with, just with your faces. You weren't really saying anything, so I think that just was... Just trying to wake up. Yeah, it's a little early out here. Britt's been awake for like five hours, so... Yeah, Britt went to the gym, but Britt did go to bed really late. I don't know why I'm talking in the third person. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The game took a while last night. I'm in Boston. Um, Of course, they always do. But uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I should maybe be on West Coast time. But if I don't get up and go to the gym, I feel worse. You know, guys, I need the the, the mood lift. Um, Mm -hmm. And that game was over in the third inning, maybe even earlier. It seemed like last night. at least just, you guys were riding in before it was over. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the veteran move, as you know, is to not write, not have to sit there with a blank document after post game because now you're talking about like one in the morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so close games are fun and exciting, but if you're a writer, sometimes you're like, I'll take the blowout. It's, um, it's all God, written. Just had to get some quotes. <laughs> <laughs> God, that game was a blowout. I saw Derek tweet the jabronis. Derek, are, are you taking a, a slow victory lap here? Are you going to sprint it? Are we supposed to slow clap? No, uh, tell no. Tell me what we're doing. I, I bailed on them in the Rays series anyway, so I don't deserve full credit, but I, I was enjoying this nonetheless. I mean, look, I, I think the Astros are a bit of a common enemy in baseball, second to the Dodgers. Like The Dodgers are the Death Star, as I've said many times before. But <laughs> That's this why I Red thought Sox it was definitely going to be Astros-Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I, I just felt like that was what the baseball universe was going to spit at us. And maybe, just maybe, we're going to get something completely different. I still think the Dodgers coming back. I said that yesterday. I'll stick with that. But the Red Sox up 2-1 over the Astros. Offense keeps on firing. Once Kyle Schwarber hit that grand slam, it was only 6 nothing. And I said this yesterday. Houston's the kind of team that can come back from an early deficit like that. They can chip away at it. We saw signs of a rally when Kyle Tucker, they get that three-run homer. But... Yeah, it was uh, not meant to be in Game 3. Now, I think the couple things that stood out to me from the rest of the series perspective, the Astros at least didn't throw Christian Javier early in the game. Like There was definitely some temptation, I'm sure, to try and throw Javier in there when Urquidy was struggling. If they had done that, they would have burned Javier in a game that they lost big, potentially, and they wouldn't have had him available for Game 4. I think a big part of, of... you know, what they did was just sort of mitigate the damage with their pitching staff and give themselves a better chance to win four and five and not burn out the relievers they'll need to pull it off. It's still going to be a huge uphill battle. But for me, the story of this game, at least early on, was Eduardo Rodriguez. 
95-96 is not normal for him. He had 13 pitches of 95 miles an hour or more all year prior to Monday night, and he had five in the first inning. He's a free agent this winter. I think Joe Buck sort of sheepishly brought that up on the broadcast. It's okay. You get three and a half hours of time to fill. You can talk about where players might go after the season. Eduardo Rodriguez was already on track to get a nice multi-year deal, but he's having one of those postseasons where he's probably elevating himself to either get an extra year or to be a $20 million a year pitcher because he is young, he does have pretty good stuff, and he does have pretty good command, even if that velocity we saw last night isn't his baseline velocity. Yeah, I'd like to see him in another park. We've been been ogling him in San Francisco for a while, but uh, maybe he's... Uh, gone past their price range, depending on how they act in the offseason. But what's weird for me is that on the other side of the coin, I don't think the extra velocity helped. Urquidy was also at the upper rounds, upper reaches of his velocity. Uh, for example, he threw his breaking ball 83 uh, a few times. He hadn't thrown his breaking ball 83 since before his injury. Um, I think that it just led to kind of drifting upwards. Uh, I think he was kind of overthrowing and, and it was drifting upwards in the zone. And, and uh, that led to bad counts, led to walks, led to three uh, O counts that led to grand slams. So I think they were both pretty jazzed, uh, but uh, Rodriguez was able to, to command his better and, and Urquidy was not. Yeah. To me, he's just a great story. Eduardo Rodriguez, right? We all know missed last year, pretty much had COVID. No one was really sure if he was going to come back and be that guy. Um, and this is kind of what people thought he was when he originally got drafted um, or signed by the Baltimore Orioles. They He was their top prospect, and they traded him to get 20 innings of Andrew Miller for the Red Sox. And, you know, this seems to be kind of a culmination of a kid kind of growing up and maturing and also just finally maybe being at full strength health-wise. Uh, I really liked Alex Cora kind of pulling him aside after he trolled Carlos Correa, tapping on the wrist. Um, when he got him out, I think it was the third time, right? Because didn't Correa say something about how he was going to get him the third time through the order or something like that? Um, I love how this become a thing. Like five, 10 years ago, third time through the order wasn't a, even a thing. Yet like you hear now, me talk about it at least, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now it's like, I don't know, in a few years, are we going to be talking about second time through the order? I hope not. Oh, um, God. I hope <laughs> can not. Our, can our starters make it two, make it two <laughs> times through the order? Right. The, the which, average starter right now in the postseason is actually averaging under 18 batters faced. Yeah, that was only the second quality start last night, Eduardo Rodriguez, that we've gotten in this postseason. Yeah. The first, the only other one is Lance McCullers, who's hurt. So don't hold your breath um, yeah. against the White Sox, I, which was a terrific display as well. Well, one thing that I think about that, I think he, why Eduardo Rodriguez didn't like do a big thing he just like touched his watch i mean i I say i would i'm kind of a little bit annoyed at cora really yeah come on the 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 astros like get to do this all the time and the red sox have to oh we have to you know turn the other cheek and and just be super classy no come on a little like what time is it come on it wasn't even that big a deal i think the trolling's okay but what if they come back and lose that game you better be, I mean, unlikely, sure, but... But generally, like, it generally lightens the mood and brings it up. I mean, think about it. At that point in the game, there was not much to talk about. So, it, like, literally, it was something to talk about. Yeah. 
it was a snoozer. And speaking of kind of pitching plans, um, the Astros were hoping to get like four, like four to five yesterday um, in, in terms of Arcidi and, and going deep in the game. So not quite exactly what they wanted. Um, Granky can, is going to be able to go three innings is what I've heard. Um, ideally, obviously the Red Sox will let everybody know what, how far Granky can go. Um, I bet you have ever go three. They were doing two pretty regularly. So I, I think they'll, I think they'll probably get five from the two of them. Yeah. I, but then they're going to have to are, use a bunch of guys they used yesterday. Right. Exactly. So like they're, they're kind of, it wasn't worst case scenario yesterday, but it certainly wasn't best case with their pitching. Um, they're going to have to use, they're going to have to use somebody yesterday and then somebody might go back to back to back. But at least they didn't use Presley and Javier. Like you said, they didn't use Presley and Javier and Stanek. So, yes. uh, so between Granky, yeah, between Granky, Javier, Presley, and Stanek, how many innings? I think you can probably get seven. So there's two more innings, two more innings in there. You got to find. What a miserable puzzle to solve. Now, it was it was a disaster. I mean, only having Urquidy get five outs is something they couldn't afford given the state of this pitching staff right now. And I why is it really only three innings for Granky? I mean, I, again, we talked about this a little bit yesterday in passing as an older guy that doesn't throw hard. Why even have a limit? Why I not just see question. how far he can go? Well, I, have a I, question I don't know. About, yeah, I have a question about Arkady that's sort of similar. Why take him out? Yeah, just let him let him go three or four, even if that's all he can give you. He threw 57 pitches. Why not get him at least a 75 or 80? Because he's getting crushed. So, yeah, what? so what? You're already the losing. You're thinking, pretty... thinking, thinking so you're just waving the... I think they thought maybe we have a chance to come back here because they kind of came back in the last game, even though it wasn't enough. I, I mean, that's an interesting yeah, I point. I agree so. with you. The Granky thing I got from someone in the Houston organization, so I feel like it's pretty solid. Um, maybe if his pitch count's really low or he's cruising, they allow him to start the fourth, but it seems like there's a pretty clear... Yeah, I've seen um, some other quotes that he has 40 pitches in him. Which uh, is... One inning in the postseason. Like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually thought the real Kobus brought this up in the live stream. Why no position player last night? Is it a pride thing? We've seen two position players, I think, pitch in the postseason. I was looking this up last night. Austin Romine did it for the Yankees. Cliff Pennington did it, I believe, for the Blue Jays. Um, anyway, those two guys are the only two position so players last to pitch night in the game. Been, would have been a chance yeah. to do that. Just because you, you have back-to-back games still coming up. You don't have enough time to rest. So... It, I actually thought it was a good idea. I thought they should have probably planned on getting an inning from a position player just to not use Stanek, who they actually did have been throwing at the end of the game, even though it wasn't a situation where you'd want to throw Stanek at all. Graveman didn't pitch in that game, so I guess he'll be a little more well-rested. He could go back-to-back pretty easily. Yeah, but versus Stanek, yeah, position player versus Stanek, at that point, it's like you know 11-3 to 3 or something. Yeah, what difference does it make? Yeah. Fair. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, Dusty Baker looked like he wanted to go home last night. Let's not forget, like, he's in a contract here. They get bounced here. Do you bring him back? Do you re-sign Dusty Baker or not? Because keep in mind, he wasn't hired by James Click. He was hired by Jim Crane. Mm -hmm. So he's not Click's guy. And they didn't extend him, which is always, like, you know, a big sign. But if they do somehow win this and go to the World Series, how do you not bring back a manager who went to the World Series? Yeah. However, the Cardinals won 17 in a row and they got rid of Mike Schilt. So what does anybody know anymore about <laughs> perform? Like the performance should be the job, but it seems like we, as we all know, it's the behind the scenes stuff that equates more to the job. I don't think, I, yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I don't think that Baker is pushing back on analytics. I think he's, he's all in on those, especially if he's an Astros manager. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't know if he's, I mean, that's just why Schilt, Schilt got 
let go. And also working for a Mazilliac is not great. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, right. um, heard some interesting things, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you bring him back because you hire James click to be the GM. Doesn't he get a say in the manager? Yeah, sure. But why would he want to get rid of dusty? Because that's not his guy. That's how it works. I know, but like, it... why won't AJ Preller probably hire an experienced manager because AJ Preller wants somebody in lockstep with the front office. And we all know the guys in the lockstep with the front office are usually the younger guys who have less say. Hmm. Uh, my inclination is that like you keep a manager around to fire him later uh, when you're in trouble. So that, you know, that's what I think of managers. I'm sorry. I, I think that I think the balance of power is like way in front office's power in front office's seat, and uh, and that the managers are really there to uh, to manage the personalities in the clubhouse uh, and to enact uh, what the front office wants in the game. I mean, I think that I don't know. I'm maybe I'm going. I'm I'm far too far in one way direction. One thing that I thought was interesting uh, was seeing a Kevin Goldstein tweet yesterday. Somebody was saying uh, the best managers were three to four wins. Uh, and Kevin, who was with the Astros, uh, said uh, it was much more than that. Hmm. So uh, if that's true, then I'm wrong. Uh, and then I think Britt's right. And uh, James will want to get his own guy in there because he'll have some either some metrics on managers or or he'll he'll you know he'll have a preferred manager that he wants for for his vision. Yeah. Yeah. I I I don't know. I feel like there could be some change there. Um just my gut my gut feeling. He did well, what he was supposed to do, right? He was supposed to be the guy who got them out from under the scandal. Right. Um but then that then that's really it's it's awful. It's awful for Dusty. I, I love him and to just like bring him in and have him just weather the storm and have to like answer all these dumb questions about a team he didn't manage. Uh, and then, and then let him go because he got to the ALCS and not to the world series. It's just awful to me. That's just awful. I, I don't, I don't know if where they finish matters much, except I think if they get to the world series, they can't not, not bring him mm. back. I mean, they could, they, they could just be that team that does things their own way. There's plenty of them with similar mindsets. It's just sort of the way, things tend to go. I'm curious if either of you are joining me on the Red Sox jabroni bandwagon. There's at least a few more seats here. Britt, are you in on the Red Sox now after that win last night? I mean, it's tough. I basically sat in center field amongst the crowd last night. and <laughs> Yeah, your video of the Schwarber home run yeah. looked like they're like right next to stands. <laughs> yeah, it was like a throwback to my college days. People, No one ever sat down. Um, the whole place Even was the writers? Because you can not see otherwise. No. I mean, the writers were kind of like trying to find an angle. Um, <laughs> so that was interesting. Uh, super loud there. Um, I still think the Astros are a better team, but watching them boot the ball, like watching Altuve, like watching them do some uncharacteristic things, I, I kind of wonder if the momentum has swung in the Red Sox favor to a point of no return. Because it's not just Lance McCullers' injury, right? It's the reverberations. It's the, the ripple effect of Lance McCullers. And I think wow. we're seeing it now. And the way that they're hitting, the way this Red Sox team is playing, like all these teams always have like that extra, like this is what the 19 Nats had, like the baby shark. This team's got the shopping cart, the brace of the pearl necklace. Um, you can't quantify these things, but these teams are hot and they believe they can win any game. And so now I might be jumping on the jabroni bandwagon. I just feel like the Red Sox could very easily win these next two games and not even make a real series out of it. 
Uh, that was just an absolute pummeling last night. They were screaming at Altuve, um, something that rhymes with Duck Altuve, uh, for the entire evening. Uh, I, I just wonder if the Astros have enough pitching to hang on here. Yeah, because it like like you could like put the rosy sunglasses on. You say okay, you know, Granky could kind of shove even if it's not for a long period of time. What if he gets out there? He's super efficient. Goes like four. Javier goes three. And then they just basically do, you know, Graveman Presley. Uh, then they, you know, then they're supposedly their whole staff is fresher, right? Who who starts the next game? That's what I mean. It's just like patchwork. It's like Fromber on short rest, and then yeah. you go Luis Garcia coming like off the off the mat with the with the knee in the next game. Have I, I even gotten to Game Seven yet? Yeah, welcome to the Jabroni bandwagon. It's clear you're both now on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Fine, tough Derek. To see. It's just tough to see the path, you know. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And I have, a, I have a similarly hard time seeing the Dodgers path. I think they're more talented maybe, but they're exhausted. And um, a lot of people mentioned on Twitter the fact that you two were not very nice to the Atlanta Braves. So if you'd like to apologize, I'm going to give you the floor. No, I don't think I owe them an apology. I mean, I, I'm sure I owe plenty of people apologies, <laughs> but I don't know if, if Atlanta is one of those situations right now. I mean, were we just like not gushing enough in praise? Because I don't remember saying bad things about the Braves. I we spent ten, they, we, we I spent ten minutes line. talking about the Dodgers losing, and no, until I was like, "Hey well, guys, Atlanta won." That's also a consensus like reaction. It's not like a it, we're not like an extreme reaction. There's a lot of people talking about. I mean, they, they were walk off wins, right? Where the Dodgers left a lot of people on base and made some interesting pitching decisions. Like we're going to talk about that. And but in and in my defense, I would say I thought that I like that their lineup diversity. I was saying that having Eddie Rosario on there, he's not a great player, but he actually fits in that lineup in a very interesting way. So uh, I like them, but I see the path for the Dodgers to come back. It's a lot easier than seeing the Astros one. If you see tonight, I say Bueller is a pretty strong favorite tonight, and then but Urias really? at home. <clears throat> Urias at home, I could see them winning the next two. So then it's two two. Charlie Morton in the playoffs has been good. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's it's Walker like Bueller in a slightly better bullpen. Yeah. Like it, it's just they they are slight underdogs. Atlanta's a good team. I, I'm not. I don't think. I don't think anything I said yesterday implied that they're not. I think this is a great pitching matchup tonight. I really like the piece that Mike Petriello put together, looking at how the Dodgers have been pitching to Freddie Freeman so far in the series. Because amazingly, he's been very quiet. Uh, they're mostly working him inside. 
like a lot more than their teams had done. Then he was tweeting about this compared to the Brewers who pitched him inside with righties 29% of the time. The Dodgers are pitching Freddie Freeman inside with righties 80% of the time. Massive difference. Uh, like Bueller in previous matchups works down in a lot to Freeman. You know, we'll see if, if any sort of adjustments are made there. But I think part of what has made this Atlanta team so good is something Eno is getting at is that this is a, a different type of lineup. Every hitter doesn't go up there with the exact same approach. So navigating that lineup is pretty difficult, even if on paper you've got some low OBP guys sprinkled in. Those low OBP guys, in a lot of cases, can do damage when you make a mistake. They're different types of hitters than the guys that are high OBP guys because they're good bad ball hitters. They bring something mm-hmm. else different that just makes it really hard to go in there and work the con- like a consistent game plan against each hitter top to bottom in the lineup. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a big deal. Um, like if you're just all grinders, if you just if you had like a whole lineup, this is my whole thing. Like if you had a whole lineup of Adam Duns versus a whole lineup of Vladimir Guerrero's, that would suck. But if you had a lineup of half Adam Duns and half Vladimir Guerrero's, that'd be pretty awesome. You know what I mean? Like you'd have one guy always getting on base and one guy who could hit anything to the moon. You know. Yes, I once saw Vladimir Guerrero hit a ball that bounced and hit the plate. Was that in Baltimore? I think it was in Baltimore. Is that yes. were you there for it live? Yes, it was oh the craziest thing I've ever seen. Did you know uh, that it had happened when it had happened, or did you have to see the replay? Or no, no, no. I, I was, I was, I was watching the game, and uh, every time he was up, like it, it was always like a must-watch. Even though he was clearly past the prime of his career, he would still uh-huh. do stuff like that. Um, and honestly. Th- you know, you yell at the TV, and I do it too, like swing at strikes. But then you, how do you, how do you say that? And then also see this, like some guys are just different. Yeah. Rizzo's got you, a little bit of that ability, you know? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Curious so. uh, on this one, we got an email from Tim. He was asking about the Dodgers defense in the series because of injuries and things they've had to shuffle around. They haven't had their optimal defensive configuration. Uh, the sequence he was referring to from game two was you know having Cody Bellinger at first base. Uh, Mookie Betts was playing center. I think they had you know uh, a couple other adjustments there. Chris, Chris Taylor was out of center playing third. Uh, so it was just a, a kind of a defensive. Uh, it wasn't a mess, but it, it What's just the wasn't. What's Justin Turner injury? I, the neck. I was going to ask, is he playing tonight? They're the early game, right? So they announced he's, if he's I playing. I think he's playing tonight. I think I heard he's back in. So he had a neck injury. Okay, so it's it, it's Muncy's out and Turner's out. So you yeah. have to cover two spots, and that means Betts sometimes ends up in center, and Betts is the worst center fielder out of the three of Bellinger, uh, Taylor, and Betts, probably. Right, because they pinch hit for Lux. Once they pinch hit for Lux, if Lux comes out of the game. they've been playing Lux in center, too. Yeah, which is pretty surprising. I think there's, um, and, and Tim in the email pointed out, there's no way that, no way to be certain that Bellinger was going to catch the Austin Riley rocket off the wall. There was a thing that Betts did, though, that is very unique to Mookie Betts. And I'm curious if anybody on the stream or if either of you noticed this. As that ball came back off the wall, it went at Mookie's bare hand. And he kind of he just corralled it with his bare hand. It was a really difficult, like, good hand-eye sort of thing to oh, be able to yeah. do. And that actually gave him a chance to get the ball in to possibly make a play at the plate. A lot of other players wouldn't be able to even do anything with that ball. I bet he would be an awesome gamer. I don't know if he I, does game, but like I think he would be amazing. If we had some kind of decathlon of random other sports and activities. Yeah, and man, games, he bowls 300. Right, dude. Mookie Betts would crush in, in some kind of bar game slash faux athletic competition. He would 
be awesome at it. You like kill, kill you darts and then like bowl 300. Darts, table tennis, bowling, <laughs> go pool. over, play pong, and like whatever. all of it. <laughs> yeah, players play a lot of ping pong. There's a ton of ping pong in baseball clubhouses. That's true. Guys are, Chris it's the, always about it. Yeah, like JJ Hardy was always really good at it. It's that coordination, you know, it's the, the hand eye coordination. So you're right. When when um, I saw that play, I thought of the other play that uh, I think it was during the regular season near the end where he like got a ball in the outfield and he like, he like did like a 360 to like throw a guy out of third. He like kind of got a ball bare hand and like 360 and lasered to third and got a guy out. I think that was in the last week of the season, maybe when it goes to Giants games, but. I mean, I think he's very good. I just think he's, you know, with the hip and the back or whatever is bothering him or just age. <laughs> um, he's just lost. He's just lost a step that uh, Bellinger and Lux have on it. Yeah. So, so, he, so if Turner plays, we think Turner's going to play tonight. Because that helps. I think if Turner plays, it, it it actually puts them back near full full strength defensively, right? Because then yeah. they have two better options than Betts in center, or even three that mm-hmm. can play center. I had not seen the lineup at the time we started this recording, and I don't see one in my timeline at a quick glance now. It seems like we're getting close. It's not quite early enough to have it, I guess. But There are some tweets about Turner. Yeah, Turner specifically, there might be some some mention, but the full lineup is at least not uh, not permeating my timeline just yet. I mean, I think even with these adjustments, though, this is not a bad defensive team. It's just not the peak Dodgers defense that we would have throughout most of the Expected back for game three, Juan Toribio of MLB.com reports. There you go. So that helps a bit too, uh, getting Turner back into the mix. Uh, we shared the predictions for the rest of the series yesterday. I think the Dodgers are going to come back and, and win the series. I think both of you are on Atlanta holding on now that they have a 2-0 lead. Uh, what, uh, as people on the Atlanta side of this, what gives you the most concern? I mean, obviously, you know, you mentioned tonight, Bueller, a favorite over Charlie Morton. Uh, Britt, is there something about this series as you look at you're like, yeah, I like Atlanta, and I think they are going to win the series, but if X happens, this this could spin things out of control and really start to break things down. Well, it's got to be their bullpen, which, you know, I think has performed better than anybody could have anticipated for the most part during this postseason. And certainly some of that could be that they played a Milwaukee team who at times was pretty putrid offensively, uh, but they've Ooh. held their own. Um, I know I was, I was going to earmuff Derek, but you know, it's know time it's he true. learns, it's time he learns the truth. Um, <laughs> Santa's not real. Santa's not real. <laughs> Fairy isn't either. And neither is the Brewers chances of winning. Oh, um, so anyway, uh, I, I think that, <laughs> I think the I totally lost my train of thought. I think the the Braves bullpen. I mean, Max, you could also make the case that Max Freed is really um, essential to their success uh, because he's pitched so well. He's probably been the best pitcher in baseball. You can make a case for it going back to to late July to now, uh, just with that consistency and what he's been able to give them. Uh, but I, I think you're. I think I'm going to go with the bullpen here. I. It's interesting if you had told me that they don't have Acuna and Freddie Freeman can't hit it all, I would have said they're in big trouble. They haven't been so far. And I think that's because they've gotten, you know, key contributions from guys like Austin Riley and Dansby Swanson. And uh, we mentioned Rosario. So I think they can cover for Freeman. And if he starts hitting just a little bit, I do think the Dodgers win tonight. I, I think this is going to be a good series. But I still think Atlanta can find a way to win these games. And keep in mind, Atlanta has is the upper seed, which is crazy. They have home field advantage. Yeah. Um, if it comes down to six and seven, they're going back to Atlanta. 
which I think we all know they're probably going back to Atlanta. So I still see a path here for the Braves. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd, I'd like to sort of combine what you're saying into like into one kind of thing, which is like if the bullpen specifically kind of blows a Max Freed start where they're winning, that would just be kind of a, a combo where you're like, dang it, you know, that had that one in the win column. So now they come back uh, to Atlanta, you know, down 3-2, and, you know, they burned a Mac, Max Freed start and their bullpen got yeah, blown up. And then you're kind of like, well, now we're looking at worse, worse pitchers <laughs> and we still got this bullpen that we have to worry about. So I, I could see that changing the tenor. And I think that, you know, I kind of think that the Dodgers are going to win the next two, which kind of then you're at two, two. And it's kind of just feels like it's anybody's series again. And speaking of uh, weird game times, it's not bad on the East Coast. It's a five oh eight first pitch for uh, Atlanta and Los Angeles. But being out here on the West Coast, a two oh eight start time that is so odd. Games three hours apart tonight. They flip tomorrow with it being a travel day uh, on the ALCS side. If 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 Boston isn't just ending the series tomorrow, that could obviously happen too. And. Uh, we could have a celebration on our hands as soon as tomorrow. But I do love these days where we get two great playoff games like this. The days where one series is traveling, those make me kind of sad. Like, I, I want... You just, like, have to wait longer. It's like waiting for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And even though I was just informed that Santa Claus isn't real, uh, <laughs> I'm still excited about Christmas. It just happened. It's going to take me a little time him. to come back from, from all that, but uh, I will do my best. Uh, anything else on your, your guys' minds before we go? There's been some non-playoff stuff bouncing around. Brian Cashman spoke to the media this morning. I was just kind of seeing snippets of that flying through my timeline. It's pretty clear they're going to get a shortstop, which I don't think I needed Brian Cashman to tell me. I think that was easy to see coming. Uh, DJ LeMahieu had surgery for a core muscle injury, so he's going to miss eight weeks this offseason and be fine for big training. There was a big thing. I, like When I saw that, uh, that he was not going to be on that roster, I know that people were kind of like, he hasn't been hitting, but I was like, well, then there's something big going on here. Yeah, he hits. When he's healthy, he hits. Yeah. Yeah. So Aaron Boone got extended this morning, and the Mets can't find anybody to even interview for their president's job. So I think it's a it, failure. Uh, I think it's. I think you pointed Sandy Alderson. I think it's all on Sandy Alderson's feet. Because yeah, all these names are frankly unimaginative. You know what I mean? Like it, it is like a wish list. It is more like a, a child saying, "I want a unicorn oh, want, for yeah. Christmas." <laughs> well, well yeah, the unicorn is under contract in Milwaukee, like, that Sandy. Mess that you've got. Yeah, that's no, the thing. So they're going to end up having to hire a GM for a president role. So that team that needs structure and stability and someone who's done it before is going to end up having to get like a Zach Scott guy who a GM level and make him the president. Now, mm. how much does Sandy get to oversee things? What? Well, why does Sandy get to oversee things? He's has not proven fruitful in picking people or producing on the field. So if you ask me, I think he's almost hurting the cause right now. Like was Theo Epstein ever going to want to go work with Sandy Alderson? Like, no, uh, you know, like Billy Bean passed. Like he should the Brewers go. said, Hey, no Stearns. Do you think any team is going to let their president go to the Mets? Why would they? And it's not Anything lateral. Yeah. Right. Nothing lateral is not going to happen. So it has to be a GM type. And then to have Sandy there, you'd be like, well, is he still going to be there when I get hired? I, you know, and then right now it's not even clear from the outside if it's Sandy or Cohen doing the hiring. So like, really, I think I would make it clear by saying Sandy Allison is going to retire at the end of this year and he's done us a big service and we love him and thank you very much. And the team has been good, but you know, somebody else is going to come here with a fresh slate. And then I would be all over yeah. like a, a Matt Arnold or somebody, you know, give someone yeah. like a hot GM that has done good stuff. 
And I don't think it's Josh Burns. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Agreed. Don't You're right, though. You you need to make it clear, like, Sandy is going to stay on one more year on the business side. Whoever we hire is going to be able to build out. They're going to be able to hire five guys right away. They're going to be able to build out their front office. Then yeah. that's an exciting job. Yeah. But the way it's set up right now, not that exciting. I'll be writing about that later. So keep it locked. Nice. Right. The other big story <laughs> in baseball, Fernando Tatis Jr. avoiding shoulder surgery. I mean, I think anytime you avoid surgery, it's good news because... Well, I have, I have some the, slightly inside knows? dirt on this. Not, okay. not, not inside his camp, Oh, uh, but inside this shoulder injury. Uh, I have a friend who has this exact shoulder injury. And basically what it is, it's a weakness due to a small labral tear, right? And so, you know, you can just play, but it just keeps popping out. Now, Bellinger had the surgery, and it went really badly. I mean, not just in terms of this year. But I think that it's one of those things that you might have to just swallow as a player to be like, you know, we, it may not go great for me next year, but in the long run, I'm not going to have my shoulder keep popping out because every time the shoulder pops out, it tears the labrum a little more. Yep. And so there, there is nothing to be – like, it's, he's going to get surgery. It's just yep. a question of when. because Should have done it. Every time it pops out, it's going to tear a little bit more, and then it's going to be worse. Yep. So uh, I, I know that the Bellinger situation didn't work out, but like this friend that I have that is, is dealing with this, every he's gone to multiple orthopedic surgeons, and they've all said, you should get the surgery. Hmm. He's just waiting for his baby to get older. So that he, <laughs> so he have to, to hold the baby so, all the time. He doesn't make his wife pick up the baby for a whole year. Your, your friend, not to tease. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. So those were the big news items that came by. That I thought we should at least just mention, at least kind of quickly on our way out the door. But two great playoff games on tap. And if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, this is a great time to get in. You can still get that 50% off deal for the first year at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. That will get you the highly anticipated piece that Britt is working on that will get you everything we're doing for the postseason and other sports as well. The NBA season tips off tonight. NHL just started, so we get that covered too. If you're watching us on YouTube, take a moment, barrel up on that like button. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. Of course, we're back here tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, and you can find us on Twitter. He is at you know, Sarah. She is at Britt underscore Drooly. I am at Derek Van Riper. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.